Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Church. God bless you. Uh, really excited to talk about the, the new topic for, for today in our ser- sermon series on praising God. Uh, last week we had we had a really cool topic of praising God with anger. Hopefully you guys were blessed by it as much as uh, we were blessed of putting it together. Today we're going to talk about praising God with dance. And I know as soon as somebody hears this, there there's like a, a little uh, maybe for some people it's a trigger, for some people it's excitement, uh, some people picturing uh, matching outfits and flags and tambourines and scarves and i know that's kind of what's in my head but i also seen um stump groups and step team step groups and all this other ex- exciting things and christian traditions that don't allow dance at all yeah Completely and some banned. people are like uh get out of my church kind of deal so, and uh, we we probably we definitely want to talk about that why one thing and another why is such a Topic that needs to be discussed and what needs to be looked at because, uh, again, we want to be able to praise God in in dancing and in every way possible, right? Uh, it's in uh, Colossians three seventeen. It talks about whatever you do, do unto the Lord. So dancing should be one of those things that we do it. Uh, the The reason we wanted to talk about this um, is Psalm one fifty. So Psalm one fifty spoke to both Trish and I in this really cool way. It's the end of Psalms. Uh, of a great long book, but Psalm 150 ends this way. It says, praise the Lord, or hallelujah, right? Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the surround sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and lyre, praise him with tambourine and dancing, praise him with the strings and flute, praise him with the clash of cymbals, Praise him with the resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> um, but as you guys can see, everything can be used to praise God. And in this situation, this it does talk about uh, in verse four, it says praise him with tambourine and dancing. And as we go through the study, we're going to see many times where dancing is a part of worship, a part of rejoicing. You know, I have some some of my friends, when they eat good food, they start dancing. You know, even as simple as that, it's just we are, our body wants to praise or show joy, express joy uh, through movement. And I think that gets right into the definition of what dancing is yeah um i wanted to wanted to look it up because i feel like there's lots of definition a lot of again a lot of thoughts of what dancing is but in uh on google of course it said dancing is a movement of body in a rhythmic way usually to music and within a given space this is the key that i really like this part for the purpose of expressing an idea or emotion releasing energy, or simply taking delight in the movement itself. So I, the key in, for, for us in all, that, in, in all these things is the purpose. When we dance, it's for the purpose of expressing an idea and emotion, right? 
And I think that's going to be our big topic or big point in this in the sermon is that what is the difference between just going out and dancing and actually praising God and dancing? And I think that distinction is actually why so many churches and so Christians throughout history have been divided on the topic of dancing, because dancing has been used in pagan rituals and witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, I mean, even in the present day, I mean, so much of it is so sensual. Uh, It's involved, you know, nightclubs and and just modern uh, dance has all these other meanings, a a lot of it being very erotic or, uh, and so very often throughout history, the church has condemned dancing as being seen as uh, a part of those pagan practices or inciting lust or uh, just leading people down, you know, towards damnation and hell. And, and realistically, when you look at the biblical tradition, though, dancing was something that was given to us again, like we've talked about all these other redeeming qualities that was given to us by God, the ability to move in, in, in a rhythm, the ability to create music and make music and to dance in tune with the music and to use dance and music as a way of expressing ourselves, a way of communicating and creating beauty and emotion. And and the key distinction being, who are we communicating with? If our dancing is meant to arouse another partner, uh, that's not the type of dancing that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. If it's just for my own, you know, exciting myself to a state of ecstasy, that is also not the type of dancing we're talking about. Or exercise even exercise again so it's not always necessarily bad like yeah. dancing you know people who like do zumba, zumba and yeah. those sorts of things it, it's good for your health right it creates it, you know dancing and music can release endorphins and dopamine and oxytocin and all these great things um, that help us serotonin you know things that can help us sleep and regulate our bodies so there's so much research and so much science out there about dancing and music and the benefits physically mentally emotionally even the dangers of it, listening to music that is, uh, you know, out of tune with where you're at um, mentally or physically, you know, that can actually be endangering or harmful, but there's so much value to music and dancing. And scripturally, you know, we we just read from Psalm 150, but if you go back to Psalm 149, even, it just says real simply, let them praise his name with dancing. This is in verse, Psalm 149, verse three, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him says with the tambourine and harp but the point is is that we're dancing and making music to the lord in other words we're using when we use the methods of creating music or when we use our our bodies uh, by jumping or spinning or lifting our hands um, in praise to communicate something to god whether it's thankfulness or joy um sometimes even even sadness or, or, um, for deep in a, in a spiritual battle that we're, we're communicating and, and, and having an energy about us in our worship that we are trusting the Lord, you know, that it will invigorate us to go out and face another day. There's, there's something redemptive. There's something beautiful about that. And scripture, the biblical tradition shows all these stories, all these incidences of being able to use your entire body as a tool to communicate worship and praise to God. I mean, the classic story, right, is is David when they bring the ark back to Jerusalem. Everybody knows, you know, they dance like David danced, right? He danced with all of his heart, all of his might, all of his strength. Um, he danced before the Lord to the point where people, you know, his own wife looked on him with contempt 
because he, she saw it being inappropriate. But he wasn't worried about that. He was not dancing for her. He was not dancing for the crowd. He was dancing for the Lord. And so we see over and over again in the Psalms, throughout scripture, these, this distinction uh, between pagan dancing, right? Where like on Mount Carmel with Elijah, you know, the, the priests of Asherah were, were dancing chaotically in a circle of ecstasy, trying to bring down fire from heaven and cutting themselves. Like that's a very different picture from the picture that we see where God encourages us um, because the Lord, it says here in Psalm 149, the Lord takes delight in his people. Um, so God is delighted to see us joyfully dancing and singing and making music in praise and thanksgiving um, to glorify his name. Yeah, and even if you, you go back to, you know, in the, I want to say the Grammy, I apologize, uh, but the spirit came on people and gave them, that was their gifts to play the instruments. Mm -hmm. That's a spiritual gift that was put upon them to play the spiritual gifts there there's so many so many times where music was god ordained yep. and with music came dancing it's just one of those one of those things that are are fully connected to one another so when we are listening to music and our body starts moving dancing mm -hmm. um if we again the purpose for the purpose of the Lord, that's worship. That's right. us taking taking what God has given us and giving it right back to Him. Yeah, even as early as you were mentioning it, it reminded me of Genesis four, where it says in uh, Genesis four twenty one that there was a, someone named Jubal. We talked about this actually a few weeks ago in our discussion group, and it says he was the father of all who play the harp and the flute. So in other words, the first individual who created instruments and the ability to create music and play music. Um, was Jubal, where we get the word Jubilee and, you know, this, mm -hmm. this joyous celebration. And, and that's the heart of an expression um, that is intended for both worship and, I mean, through music and dance. And at the end of that chapter, it's, I think there's, it's telling because after these things are created, it says at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And it's just interesting because one of the ways that they called on the name of the Lord was through music and dancing and prayer and singing these these very tools that we're looking at during the course of this series yeah and uh, we need we need to remember that we focus uh and focus that music was created to worship god mm -hmm. it was for him and dancing was created to worship god and not that we don't get to enjoy it, right. but first is for the lord secondly it's for us or for those who are hearing the music or who seeing the dancing, right? I think we need to remember that and we'll talk more about it, about it when we talk about worship and singing and everything else, but you know, it brings us unity when we sing together, especially corporate worship <laughs> and everything else. But we first sing to the Lord and then it unites us. It sounds good. It, it's all the, all the other stuff, but first it's unto the Lord. Do, right. do it unto the Lord. Some of the, the major occurrences that you see throughout scripture uh, in the biblical tradition of dancing and music being used is, you know, after a victory from war or um, after the harvest, celebrating uh, a wedding, you know, there's, it's, it's most of the time used in a celebratory way, but again, not just for the people who are participants who benefit from it, as you said, but specifically 
the audience being they were dancing and singing and making music before the Lord. And in Exodus uh, chapter 15, right after they passed through the, the Red Sea, you know, Miriam, who was a prophetess, uh, took a tambourine in her hand and and the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. And they sing this this incredible song and give glory to the Lord. And it, it's interesting because actually in Jewish tradition, the the prophetic is actually associated with dancing. Um, similar to when you watch uh, ancient Jewish, if you ever see people praying by the wailing wall or whatnot, there's there's a swaying that happens. You know, there's this rhythmic swaying um, and they sing their prayers and they, they chant uh, the scriptures. There's, there's a musical aspect to it. And so here, Miriam, it doesn't just say she was like a worship leader. She had a good voice. <laughs> she was the prophetess. Yeah. And, and the, the Holy Spirit was giving her a prophetic word through the song and, and leading the women in dancing and the making of music. And she says, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. And she gives God glory through that and leads the people to do the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wonderful when when God is doing something in your life to dance for him. And however that looks like, the, the cool thing is it doesn't have to be this amazing ballroom uh, <laughs> thing or, uh, you, you know, salsa, merengue, or whichever, whichever style that you like to do. Uh, even we look at Acts chapter 3. It's this uh, gr great passage. Oh, yeah. Uh, in verse, it starts at verse six. Um, there, there's a beggar. He's lame. He asks Peter to, um, to heal him, or actually, he asks him for money. And the Peter replies, "Silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk." Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. To me, as he's walking and jumping right. and praising, to me, that's a celebratory. He's dancing. dancing. I mean, when you, when you understand the way that the text is designed, you know, the ancient texts, it's, it's a building on itself. So he's first, he gets up and he's walking, then he's jumping, jumping and then he's praising. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's like, hallelujah, you know, just all, he's, yeah. he, his movement is becoming more and more celebratory, more and yeah. more emphatic. So you could imagine that here he was sitting and begging and unable to walk all those years and he gets up, his legs are a bit shaky. He begins to walk, then he jumps. And as he becomes more and more confident, He's, he's yelling praises yeah. to God and throwing his hands and spinning and just excited, this jubilant dance. Um, and it's this joyous picture. And that's why the crowd was literally just amazed because yeah. here he is where he had just been sitting there all those years incapacitated and he is jumping and praising God. Yeah. And I think that's the excitement. That's, that's where we can um, show the world. There's a difference. There's a yep. difference in dancing and dancing for the lord you know there's just, there's just joy in it there's there's worship in it right. there's for him um i was talking about like honestly we had this conversation right about do you ever dance during worship and uh everybody does it different ways right 
um, there's Tim Hawkins, the comedian, who talks about different ways of worshiping, right? Like one hand, the heartburn, the the light bulbs, all that, all that <laughs> different ways. But those are dance moves, you know? It's not only worship moves, it's like dance moves. But for some people, like you were saying, you, you do a little bit of merengue and salsa while, you, while you're listening to, to um, Spanish. I like Christian reggaeton. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that, right? For me, a lot of times, just who I am as a man, who I am just when I worship, for me, it's, it's, it's very powerful time for me so when i when i when i get into it my i my there's swaying there's movement to the rhythm there's there's lots of hand movement and powerful with fists closed and pumps in the air like that's my dance kind of movement i might look like more like a mosh pit kind of guy (laughs) than than the guy than the window washer definitely have different styles yeah different but but that's that's worshiping and dance. And for some people, it might be just swaying to the music, but that's, but that's movement. That's being, being free in the Lord. And I think that's the key is the freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, someone was just, someone in our community was just sharing with us because they've been helping another church with their worship, right? And how they had an interaction after that service with a church member. And because the worship leader was new there, she lifted her hand during worship. And this member had been there for years and she came up to her afterwards and she said, this is the first time I ever felt free. I felt like I always wanted to lift my hands and praise mm. to God. But until I saw you do it and model it on the stage, I never felt that freedom. And I think that's what you're saying right there. The freedom that we experience, that's the key. Uh, we, we just need to really make it clear too that the, the music and the words, here's the, the, the tricky part is that even in church, I'm pushing the envelope here. We didn't talk about this. Even in church. Where's my notes? Where's my notes? <laughs> I believe that there's a lot of worship that is not honoring God. And and I, I say this very cautiously, but what we were studying and researching that whole, the a lot of modern worship has become, uh, there's a science behind it in the, the tempo of the music and the vocals and the um, research that's been done to to tap into certain emotions of the congregation and and those who are participating the the chanting and the repetition it's not always necessarily engaging in worship but it's actually going back although the words might be somewhat biblical or they may use Jesus's name and honor God they're actually inciting people into an emotional experience where they think they're having an encounter with the Holy Spirit but they're actually engaging their brain and their emotions in this in this chemical manipulation Mm -hmm. and it can actually be quite dangerous because it's not entirely worship it's actually a fabricated um, emotional experience where you're chanting over and over again and and really exciting yourself into a state of frenzy whether it's tears or anger or excitement Um, and that's the part that we we don't condone that and we don't want to go in that direction we actually need to challenge believers and those who are listening to this um, to take a hard look at how biblical is the worship music that you're listening to and is it really drawing you into God's presence in a worshipful way is the focus on God or is the focus on yourself and getting yourself into an altered emotional state yeah and we'll, we'll talk more about about the words and everything else when we talk about worshiping God and, and song but I'm so glad that you brought that up because it is, it is very important and again it's what what is the purpose? Is it the purpose for you to feel better, or is the purpose for God to be honored? 
Ooh, that's good. I, that's I good. think I think that uh, that's where we need to kind of really put put a line in yeah. there and really check ourselves as worshipers and uh, those who lead worship, who put together these playlists and everything like that, and figure out what is the purpose of it. Is it okay. just to make sure that the song connects to the sermon or does it make people feel good? Make yeah. people feel good, or is it just honor God because that is most important part and music and dance that is praising towards god or this worship towards god will communicate like you said in the original when you were sharing the definition it allows me to communicate a posture of repentance it allows me to communicate thanksgiving or gratitude towards mm -hmm. god and really just driving this home as psalm 35 uh it says in verse 9 my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. And then verse 10 says this, my whole being will exclaim, who is like you, O Lord? And the original text is actually in, in the Hebrew, it's, it's all of my bones mm -hmm. will exclaim or proclaim, who is like you, Lord? And so the visual there is that you're not just praising God with your mouth, with your mm -hmm. words, your entire body is in a posture of praise and worship, whether you're lifting your hands or you're bowing, laying prostrate on the floor, bawling your eyes out, whatever, that your entire body is engaged. All of your bones, all of your muscles, all of your being is fully present with the Lord, communicating and giving him the praise and glory that has made yeah, us do. Absolutely, where, where we come and, 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 all, and, and unison, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mm -hmm. He is worthy to be praised. Um, and that we do that with our voices. We do that with the music that we listen to and the and with the dance. Mm -hmm. How our bodies are just moving as our body is towards him, for him, um, or we're just kind of sitting on our hands. Yeah. Kind of like that. But I, I really love, I, we want to finish, finish with this, is the history of dancing. Like, I really love today, we, we got into this awesome holiday that's coming up uh, within a couple of weeks now. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Simha Torah. Uh, we're rejoicing in, Tor in the Torah, or rejoicing in the Lord, um, or the feed of Torah. And uh, Trish is going to go more into it. She's, she's more of a historian, educator. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just excited because Simha is my, is my Jewish name. Um, that I got from my great grandmother. So I'm like, as soon as Trish Spear brought up, I'm like, I know that Hebrew word. <laughs> That's awesome. So please share with us about it. So just briefly for those who may be new or, or haven't followed up for that long or don't know us personally, uh, my husband and I are both what we would consider Messianic Jewish, which means that we have a Jewish heritage, especially in our practice and in our worship. But we are believers. We're Christians who believe that Jesus is the Messiah who came. And our congregation that we have, uh, the membership, we're across a lot of different denominations. We come from very different backgrounds, and uh, our church is actually part of the Evangelical Covenant Church. So if you're ever interested in learning more theologically uh, where we fall, you could go to uh, the Evangelical Covenant Church website. But I want to just give that context in, to what I'm going to share. So for us, it's very important that when we study the word, we, we try to always look at the historical context, uh, especially in light of ancient Jewish practice and, and Jewish tradition and roots, because a lot of times it gives us a more open picture of the topic that's at hand and it helps us to see it in a different way. 
getting outside of our you know 2022 western north american worldview uh, to try to see ourselves more from you know first century uh, the world that jesus and his apostles you know walked in and one of those things you know tomorrow uh, will actually be the beginning of rosh hashanah which is the start of the year and historically is honored as actually when genesis 1 took place when god created the universe and created humanity the beginning of not just the year but of all of human history and then there's days after that and so we lead to the day of atonement and immediately the holiday following the day of atonement uh, we may talk about these over the next couple of weeks because this is actually a very sacred time in jewish tradition uh, is this uh, simcha torah which is a holiday of dancing and celebration and mm-hmm. uh, it just fits so well with the topic at hand so this holiday what the way it happens is that uh the the scriptures the the pentateuch which is the first five books of scripture are read over the course of the year and so it begins with genesis 1 1 and it actually finish, finishes with the ending of deuteronomy mm-hmm. and when they get to the end of deuteronomy which is around this time of year um, with the turning over of the new year and then they start again at genesis uh, they take the Torah out of the ark uh, of where they keep it in the synagogue and this, the Torah is so holy and they, they, they kiss the Torah because they just really honor uh, the word of God and believe that the, the law and the word of God coming to them is what makes them God's chosen people. And so they will walk around uh, the synagogue with the Torah and they begin to actually dance. They actually, yes, they walk around seven times. Jericho. similar to Jericho mm-hmm. and they will uh, begin to sing and dance and they they chant the last couple of chapters of Deuteronomy as they do this and they will pour out into the streets and actually take the Torah out into the streets you can look up uh, YouTube videos every synagogue is so different it's, and ha- they yeah, have their so own wonderful. flavor <laughs> some of them are more conservative and some of them uh, are... have a DJ booth <laughs> yeah so it's it's just this really celebratory holiday where the entire congregation is dancing and singing um so, you know some congregations everyone is together other congregations uh, the women dance separately from the men you know again it's there's just richness of tradition but the whole holiday for centuries mm-hmm. uh, millennia actually centers around dancing with the torah so literally seeing the word of god as something in and of itself worth celebrating yeah and what they call this is that you become the feet of the Torah. In other words, that the the Torah, the law, obviously doesn't have hands and feet of itself. And we become the embodiment of the word of God. And we become literally the hands and feet of the Torah. So we live through obedience, um, through practice, we we become the living, breathing, walking uh, word of God. And and that it carries over into Christian tradition, obviously, because we talk about being the hands and feet of Christ, Mm -hmm. who was the word made flesh. So it's just this really timely holiday. Uh, and and being the feet of the Torah, when when you say that, uh, it literally means that you're dancing with the Torah. And mm-hmm. so there's this picture of that we're praising God through dance. And in Romans, I believe it's chapter 10, mm-hmm. talks about how blessed, he, he's quoting Isaiah, but he says, are the feet of those who bring good news. And that phrase being the feet of the Torah, the feet of good news or the feet of the gospel means that you're dancing. Yeah. Uh, that it's something worth celebrating, something joyous that... Um, and, and you're not dancing alone, right? But you're no. dancing in the context of community, not only your local community, your immediate community, the, the circle of family and friends around you, but with all of the community of believers around the world and throughout history. 
throughout millennia who have carried the same practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's exciting. Again, check it out on YouTube. Like we saw one video, like I said, there was this, a car driving next to, to a group with a big old DJ equipment. And they were, had some happy, like kind of hip music going on that of course was in, in Hebrew and everything else. Uh, but then there was also the traditional, they were singing, singing old traditional songs that were older uh, congregation. And the cool part was that they were showing a video of one rabbi walking uh, with with the Torah and there's people behind him. And then they bumped into another rabbi with, with another Torah and they kind of came together as one um, rejoicing in the law that God has given them, rejoicing in those five books that proclaimed his everything who God is right uh, the beginning of the story of everything uh, that it was created and who we are and the promises that we have and promises that we have seen so it was, it was just really exciting and again to just be able to rejoice in this to see it was able to see um, to see that where it was really powerful I mean I know when we think about rabbis they're we picturing these party animals who dancing, uh, <laughs> dancing around the room, but they were because of the joy of the Lord that was in the them. And the they Lord just could strength. not, could not contain themselves that they had to dance. And I think that's what we want to find freedom in that during our worship time, our alone time, when we just, you know, even when we're cleaning, cleaning the house and got some worship in the background, you know, pause and have, have a, joyful moment in the Lord, do a little dance um, that would give God glory and uh, because of what he has done to actually listen to the words, listen to what God, how God is guiding us through the music that he has used to um, bless us with and just let, let your body show mm-hmm. your worship to God. And and allow the, the challenge too, just on a, on a more somber note is that sometimes you know we don't we don't feel like praising God in it with joy and celebration, but there's always something to be thankful for. There's always something mm. worth. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. Just His grace alone, His salvation alone is is worthy of our praise. And the challenge, uh, you know, there's this tradition. Um, Eli Weissel uh, wrote about a, a rabbi when she was growing up who taught on Deuteronomy sixteen fourteen, where it says, "Be joyful at the at the festivals." Yeah. Uh, as being the most difficult commandment in the Torah. And she said, I never could understand this puzzling remark only during uh, the war, meaning uh, the World War II, did I understand. The Jews who in the course of their journey to the end of hope managed to still dance on Simchat Torah, those Jews who studied um, the law by heart while carrying stones on their backs, meaning in the concentration camps, those Jews continued to whisper the hymns of the Sabbath, even while performing this harsh labor. The only then um, was it apparent why this commandment was so difficult and so impossible that they continued to observe it even under immense suffering. And so the importance of being able to dance and use music to communicate to God, even when we have a heavy heart, uh, the act of obedience of doing that will, you know, it allows the creative and imaginative part of our brain to continue to find joy in the Lord, to continue to find hope and to imagine that day when there's no more tears, no more mourning, mm. no more crying, no more death, no more pain, because he's made all things new. And that's the beauty of this this season and this time of year, 
um, according to our tradition. And I, I think that it's important for us to redeem um, this commandment and to live it in all of its fullness. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.